Hey, welcome to the Central Westland Church Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for downloading and thank you for listening. We hope that today you find God's Word to be encouraging, challenging, and inspiring your life today. We would love to connect with you through our Facebook page and Instagram page. All you got to do is look on Facebook or Instagram and search for Central Westland Church. Please know that we love you, we're praying for you, and we hope you enjoyed this week's message. I have had the uh, privilege of meeting a lot of people over the last 42 years of my life. Um, I've met some strange people, I've met some weird people, I've met some mean people, I've met some really nice people. Um, I have had a lot of meetings over, over the last 42 years of my life. If I said the name Roy Williams, do you know who I'm talking about? A couple of you do. He was the former coach of the North Carolina Tar Heels, the greatest basketball team in the history of earth and heaven. Um, I had a chance to meet him one day. I uh, said hello to him, shook his hand, took a picture, probably the best day of my life. Um, I had a chance to say hello and shake the hand of the great, the mighty Dale Earnhardt Sr., um, three car. I had the chance to meet Dale Earnhardt. It was amazing. Um, Callie and I, a few years ago, uh, well, not a few, 10, over 10 years ago, we're in, um, we're in Las Vegas, and while we were walking down the street in Las Vegas, we met Michael Jackson, we met Superman, we met a snake handler, and we met some people, um, they were called blue people. They were painted themselves completely blue. Um, this was not the real Michael Jackson, this was an imperfect, I think we saw an Elvis guy too while we were there. So, um, I've had the opportunity to meet a lot of different people. However, I want to share this morning about a meeting that we see in Scripture, but it's not a meeting, it's an encounter. There's a difference when you meet somebody and when you encounter somebody. The difference is this, a meeting is a meeting and then they go their separate ways. When I met Roy Williams, I said hello, shook his hand, told him I loved him, told him how much I appreciated him. I even shared that Jesus Christ loves him as well. After we were done, I went my way, he went his. He don't remember me from nothing, right? You're not going to see him saying, hey, I remember that time. 20 years ago, I met Michael Jernigan. Like, that's not, it's not on, his, on his brain. However, an encounter, when you have an encounter with someone, the difference is you have a meeting, but you leave changed. You leave different. Something happens in that meeting. Something happens in the conversation, something happens between one person and another where you leave change. You'll remember that meeting for your life. You leave a different person than you did when you come in. I've had several encounters in my lifetime as well. Uh, one was on May 28th, year 2000, when I met Jesus for the first time. And when he, I encountered him and I left the room I was in, in the basement of Denton Westland Church, I left that place different than I did when I walked into that place because of the encounter that I had with Jesus. Callie had an encounter with Michael Jernigan. 
some 15, well, almost 20 years ago, she encountered me, where she met me, and it changed her life for the better. Amen? Can I see that hand? We do have two great kids. She's got a great husband. She has shared with me before. She won't share this in front of you, but I will do it. When she had an encounter with me, she saw heaven open. (laughs) Angels come down. She says something about seeing a glow. I don't know what it was, but she saw like a ray of sunshine, like a glow. And because of that encounter, she left changed because of us. <laughs> You're the best. You're the best. When we encounter, we leave changed. My prayer for my life over the past 20 years has been the exact same. That I would encounter Jesus every single day. Not just read the word. Not just have a prayer time, not just talk about him with people, but I want to have an encounter where that every time I come into his presence, I leave changed. I leave knowing him better. I leave with a new insight that I didn't have before. I leave seeing things with a more heavenly perspective than I had before. Um, The reason why this is so important is I don't know if you know it or not, but our time here is limited. Amen. Our time here is extremely limited. And the more time we waste with things that don't matter compared to knowing and loving and sharing Jesus Christ, the more time we will not be able to get back. That, my friends, is why it's so important. That's why there's an urgency to have an encounter. That's why there's an urgency to spend time with Jesus Christ because you and I today need him we need him to speak we need him to move we need him to change we need him to meet a need we need him to tell us what to do we need him to provide whatever the case may be there's an urgency today in my life and if you know it or not there's one in your life to have an encounter to have a meeting to be changed by the holy god of heaven amen Now, if you don't realize that, if you don't understand your great need to be met with and to be have an encounter with and to be changed by God in heaven, then I need you today, you need you today to pray, to pray for God to open the eyes of your heart, to pray for God to speak to your mind. Because I believe today there's a lot of people walking around this world that do not understand the great and desperate need that they have for Jesus Christ. Let me give you an example. Let me give you an example. I had back surgery two and a half years ago. The guy did my back surgery. His name was Dr. Oh, you don't remember either. He's in High Point, really nice guy. McAllister. Dr. McAllister, great guy. Does anybody know him? Good. I can talk bad about him and you won't care. I'm joking. I can't. I can't. Great guy. Super guy. Amazing. Super nice, uh, knowledgeable, um, real easy to work with. Super duper guy. 
He did my back surgery. I went back a couple of months later for one of the follow-up appointments, and I shared with him during one of these follow-up appointments, um, I shared with him how grateful I was for him, for his work, for what he's done, how he's treated me. And I told him, I said, I believe wholeheartedly that God used you to be an answer for prayer for me. And I want you to know, and I told the doctor this, I said, I want you to know that I appreciate you. I'm going to be praying for you. I'm going to be praying God's blessings for you um, on you and your family and your, your work and all that kind of good stuff. And then he looks at me and he says, thanks, I appreciate it. He said, I'll take his help. And while, like, I get what he's saying, like, I get it, he'll take his help. Here's the deal. We need God's help. None of us today are in a position where we'll take his help. If he wants to, he can. If he don't, it don't matter. No, 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 no. We need God's work in our lives today. We need his power. We need his strength. We need his, his provision. We need his healing. We need his forgiveness. We need his grace. We need his mercy. We need him today. One of the greatest dangers, one of the greatest things that hurts the church and believers today is not having and not understanding the desperate need that we are in for God's work in our lives today. So, what I want to do, I want to look at uh, Luke chapter 19. I want to read to you a quick little section here of Scripture where there's a young man named Zacchaeus where he encountered Jesus and he left changed. Let's read. Uh, Luke 19, starting in verse 1. He, being Jesus, entered into Jericho and was passing through. And there was a man called by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and he was rich. Zacchaeus was trying to see who Jesus was and was unable to because of the crowd, for he was small in stature. Verse 4, so he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree in order to see Jesus, for he was about to pass through that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for today I must stay at your house. Verse 6, and he hurried and came down and received him gladly. When, he, when they saw it, they all began to grumble, saying, He has gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. Zacchaeus stopped and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of my possessions I will give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will give back four times as much. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he too is the son of Abraham. And then Jesus kind of gives his mission statement, his purpose in his life. In verse 10, he says, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. Let me give you a little background on the story here, and then we're going to talk about how Zacchaeus' life changed because of the encounter that he had with Jesus. Here we see Zacchaeus is a tax collector. Let me tell you how tax collection worked back then. Not much different than it does today. Here's how it worked. We see here that uh, Zacchaeus was uh, identified as the chief tax collector. Tax collectors had people that worked for them and around them. A tax collector would start out as an assistant tax collector, and then they would move to a full-blown tax collector, and then they would get promoted to what we see here with Zacchaeus as being the chief 
tax collector. And here's how the tax collectors made their money. And here's why nobody liked tax collectors of the day. Let's say the Roman government charged Jane $50 in taxes. Everybody follow? $50 is not good, but it could be worse. Right? Right. So the Roman government told the chief tax collector, would tell Zacchaeus, you need to get $50 from Jane to give to the government. So Zacchaeus would go to the tax collector. He would say, hey, I need you to get $75 from Jane. 50 of it's going to the Romans, 25 is coming to me, $75 from Jane. The tax collector would then go to the assistant tax collector, and he would tell the assistant tax collector, I need you to go get $100 worth of taxes from Jane. $100, 25 is going to me, 25 is going to Zacchaeus, 50 is going to Rome. Everybody follow? So that is why tax collectors were not liked. One, they were doing the Roman government's work. They were taking money from people. Not only were they taking the tax money, but they were taking more on top of the tax money for them to get rich and powerful on top of what the government was already taking. You see how I'm saying it's not much different from today? Just saying, just saying. So that's where we find Zacchaeus here. Zacchaeus was a hated man. People hated him. People didn't like the tax collectors because he charged extra so that he could acquire wealth on top of what the Roman government already charged them to pay the government. So here we see Jesus coming into town. Zacchaeus ran ahead, jumped up in a tree so he could see Jesus. Jesus got to him. Jesus saw him. Jesus said, Zacchaeus, come down. I got to come to your house today. Zacchaeus came down, took Jesus home. There were people around there noticed that Jesus went to a tax collector's house, went to a sinner's house, went to a man that everybody hated, um, went to his house, and they grumbled and couldn't believe what they were seeing. While Jesus was in his house, we see Zacchaeus say, Lord, half of my possessions I'm going to sell and give the money to the poor. On top of that, anybody that I have ever cheated, like Jane, anybody I have ever overcharged, like Jane, I'm going to give back up to four times the amount that I cheated them out of. Do you see how that was an encounter that changed Zacchaeus' life? That was not just a meeting. Hey, Jesus, how are you? Good to see you. All right, see you next time. No, this was a meeting that changed Zacchaeus' life. It even goes on to say at the very end of that little section in verse 9, Jesus says, today salvation has come to this house. Do you see the encounter with Jesus? Isaiah, Isaiah. Zacchaeus' life was changed that day to a different trajectory in a different space. From that day forward, he was a different person than he was before. That is what an encounter looks like. Now, here's the deal. When we read this story, we don't know what Jesus said to change Zacchaeus' life. We don't know if Jesus preached a sermon we don't know if Jesus shared something that's going to happen. We don't know if Jesus told Zacchaeus, get your junk together. We don't know if he gave him an elbow drop off the top rope or a drop kick. We don't know what Jesus said or what Jesus did. All we know is that Jesus went to Zacchaeus' house and Zacchaeus' life was changed forever. What does that mean for you and I today? Simple. We don't have to do anything. 
for Jesus to change our life. We just have to let Jesus in our life. All the change that needs to happen in your life, that's done through His power, not mine. The things about me that are unchristlike, the things about me that are unworthy, the things about me that don't line up with God's word, I can try to change it all day long. I can try to love my wife better. I can try to be a par better parent to my kids. I can try to be a better pastor. I can try to be a better employee or employer. I can try it all day long, but that's not my job. My job is to let Jesus in my house. His job is to do all the changing and the rearranging through his power that needs to be done. Do you see that? Jesus doesn't, the word doesn't say what Jesus said or what Jesus did. All we know is that Jesus was in the house and Zacchaeus' life changed. Can I encourage you today? The most important thing you can do today is simply let Jesus in. That's it. Anything that needs to change, he'll take care of that. He'll take care of that. He'll do the work in you because that's his job. Our job is to simply let him in to our house. Remember five minutes ago, I was talking to you about your desperate need for Jesus. This is it. Your desperate need is not to be more loving. Your desperate need is not to be more giving. Your desperate need is not uh, to be more graceful. Your desperate need is not to be a better parent or a better spouse. Your desperate need is for Jesus Christ. And then His power and His strength will take care of all those other things in our life. Everybody follow? All right, I want to share with you three things. Three things that changes. There's a bunch of things that changes when we let Jesus in, but I just want to share with you three today. Number one, and we see this here with Zacchaeus, uh, it changes when we spend time with Jesus, when we let Jesus into our house, when we have an encounter with him. It changes the way we see Jesus. It changes the way we see God. Um, obviously something happened in Zacchaeus' house. We don't know what it was, but what we do know is that a man's life changed forever. Can I tell you today that the way you view God affects every aspect of your life. Your view of God Almighty affects every part of your life today. Here's what I mean. Today you may find yourself in a valley, you may find yourself in a struggle, you may find yourself in a place of pain. Your view of God determines how you go through that struggle. If you view God as a holy, as a righteous, if you view God as all-powerful, if you view God as all-knowing, if you view God as a sovereign God, you will go through that pain differently than you did if you went through it viewing God He's just kind of up there. Does that make sense? Today you might find yourself in a place of need. Maybe it's a financial need. Maybe it's a physical need. Maybe it's an emotional need, a spiritual need. If you view God as being all-powerful enough and loving enough and compassionate enough 
to share and to give and to provide for his sons and daughters, you will go through this time of need that you're in today differently than you would if your view of God was that, I'll take his help when I need it. Does that make sense? Everybody follow. Your view of God determines your view of parenting. Your view of God determines your view of marriage. Your view of God determines your view of the church. The way you view God, the way you see God in heaven will determine how you see and how you go through areas and seasons and times of your life. Now, what we see here in Luke chapter 19, since we don't know what Jesus said, since we don't know what Jesus did at the house, we can only learn two things about Jesus because of this encounter and how we should view him. And the two things is this. Number one, we see that Jesus is loving and accepting. Jesus loved Zacchaeus. Nobody else did. Because he was a tax collector. Because he was a thief. Notice there were other people here who grumbled, who couldn't believe that Jesus were to go in his house. But here we see that Jesus loved the unloving. Isn't it great when we see God change lives of the worst of the worst people? You know anybody like that? You see it maybe in newspapers, you see it online, you hear stories. I've known people in prison give their life to God and their life was drastically changed, totally changed, rearranged because of the encounter that they had with Jesus. I've heard stories of people on death row for the worst of the worst crimes, dramatically changed their life because of the encounter that they had with Jesus. Here we can learn one thing from Jesus, that he loves and accepts you no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been. Now, can I be honest with you? Lots of times when we hear those stories that the worst of the worst people have changed their life, we don't believe it. Right? Like we find it hard to believe. Like that terrorist is really going to give their life to the Lord. Like that child molester really going to give their life to the Lord. There'll be people in your life that will tell you they've changed for the good. And you may not believe it. Can I tell you today? There are people in Denton that if you told them 20 years ago that Michael Jernigan would be standing here preaching the word to you, they wouldn't believe it. Can I give you two pieces of advice when the worst of the worst changed their life? Number one, don't judge. Don't judge. You don't know what's going on in their heart. Instead of judging, how about you and I together serve, encourage, help, teach, pray for, and help them to show the inward change on the out. Amen? And number two, second piece of advice, you are that worst of the worst. The worst of the worst is not them. It's you. And it's me. Their sin may look different. Their sin may affect different people in different ways. But you are that worst of the worst. 
And Jesus loves and accepts you. Jesus still comes to your house, no matter how dirty your house is, no matter how much stuff you have packed away, no matter how many secrets is in your house, no matter how much stuff you don't want people to know, no matter how long you've lived in that house, no matter how long those secrets have been packed away, Jesus still wants to come into your house. We see from this story here, one thing that we can learn and one way that we could view Jesus is as loving and accepting. The second way we see that we can view Jesus is as forgiving and powerful enough to save your life today. Here's what I know. The enemy goal, the enemy's plan, the enemy's whole desire is to pull you away from Jesus Christ. And I don't care if you've been living with the Lord for two weeks or you've been living with him for 20 years. The enemy's goal is the same, to get you away, to pull you away from your relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, here's also what I know. If you are living away from Jesus, the longer you're away, the harder it is to come back. You, uh, some of you people are workout people. Anybody go to the gym every day? You take two weeks off, how hard is it to go back that next week? You take two months off, how hard is it to go back? You take two years off, how hard is it? No chance. The same is true with the Lord. You stay away from the Lord for two weeks, see how hard it is to start that relationship over again. You stay away from the Lord for two months and see how hard it is to start that relationship again. You stay away from the Lord for two years and see how hard it is to simply start that relationship again. Some of you today, you may find yourself living away from the Lord. Maybe it's been for a short time or for a long time. My encouragement for you is this. Jesus is still powerful enough and Jesus is still loving enough and accepting enough to welcome you back home. I don't care how long you've been away. I don't care how far you've been. Jesus is powerful enough to welcome and to forgive and to show grace and mercy because that's who he is and that's what he does. If today, if you believe that Jesus is powerful enough to conquer giants, to shut the mouths of lions, to make the lame walk, to cause the deaf to hear and the blind to see, there is no reason to believe that he cannot forgive you. I don't care where you've been. I don't care what you've done. I don't care the situations. And I know it may have been bad, and I know you don't want anybody to know, and that's fine. But God can still forgive because that's who he is. That's what he does. When we think of Jesus, the Son of God, when we think of God in heaven as our Father, He wants us to know that they, He loves us. He wants us to know that He's powerful enough today to simply forgive our sin. Amen? Amen. Having a right view of God will determine and change every part of your life. Second thing we see that changes here with Zacchaeus is that not only does it change the way we view God, but it changes the way we view ourselves. For Zacchaeus to be rich and powerful as a tax collector, he had to view himself as a lot more important than what he really was. 
Can I tell you some of the best advice I've gotten over the years about past, uh, being a pastor in church work? Can I tell you? Thank you. Somebody told me one time, he said, listen to me. He said, you're not as good as they say you are. And you're not as bad as they say you are either. Right? Lots of times we can see ourselves as one extreme or the other. There'll be people in my life, people in your life, that will tear you to pieces by telling you how you're not good enough, by telling you how you didn't achieve what you wanted to achieve or what they thought you should have achieved. There'll be people to tear you down simply by what they had expected for your life. Look at me. You're not as bad as they say you are. However, there's also going to be people in your life that come into your life that puff you up, that make you think you're much better than what you really are, that make you think you're stronger than what you are, that you're wiser, that you can do what you want to do because you've done it before. You're not as good as they say you are either. You're not as bad and you're not as good. It's when we have an encounter with Jesus do we have a right view of ourselves where we understand my goodness, my power, my strength, my wisdom, my mind, everything good in my life is because of Him. It, becomes, it comes from Jesus. Any good that I've ever done for you, any encouragement that I've ever spoken to you, any time that I've ever physically served you in one way or another, it's because He did it for me first. You realize today the whole Christian life is a response to what Jesus did for us first, right? The Word tells us that we love because why? He first loved us. We forgive because He forgave. We serve because we were served. We give because He gave. We worship because he's worthy. The whole Christian life is simply a response to what Jesus did for us first. Having the right view of yourself is the same way. When you have a right view of yourself, you see yourself in the power and the strength of God's power and God's strength. We realize all the good comes from him. All the power comes from him. Everything that we do comes from Him. And the enemy will tell you that it comes from you. You don't need His help. You don't need His power. You've got it. No, 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 no. A right view of self. A right self-esteem. A Christ-like self-image comes when we view ourselves in light of what God has done for us. When we have an encounter like Zacchaeus, it'll change the way we see Jesus. It'll change the way we see ourselves. And finally, number three, it will change the way we see other people. You guys have heard me preach this a lot over the years. 
And Lord willing, you'll hear me preach it a lot more over the years. There is nothing today more valuable other than Jesus than the people in your life. The people sitting beside of you, that little boy over there making noise, there's nothing more important today than him and his mom and his grandpa and their family. Amen? Amen. There is nothing today more important than people. That's it. Jesus won. We got that. That's a given. How much money you have doesn't compare to the people in your life. Your car doesn't compare. Job doesn't matter. Food, who cares? Social status, it doesn't matter. There's nothing more valuable today than people in your life. Now you may tell me, say, I got some jerks in my life. I do too. <laughs> okay? I do too. But can I tell you today, the most important thing to the Lord is that jerk. Can I tell you today that the Lord loves that jerk? That the Lord can forgive that jerk? And that the Lord can change that jerk's life? How do I know that? He did it for me. And if that jerk is important to the Lord, there's nothing more important to me than people in my life. I will go down standing on the hill of fighting for people, of valuing human life before they're born, up until after. Human life is the most valuable thing in the world today. When we have an encounter with Jesus, when we spend time with Jesus, we will start to see people the way Jesus sees them. We see here Isaiah, one, or Isaiah, Zacchaeus one time saw people as a paycheck, as a way to get money. Here we see, I'm going to take all my possessions. Sell them, half of my possessions, sell them, give to the poor. I'm going to refund the people. No longer did he see people as a paycheck. No longer did he see people as a job. But he saw people the way Jesus sees people. That, my friends, is a challenge for all of us. Black, white, brown, or yellow doesn't matter. We got to. The church has to have the eyes and the heart of Jesus when it comes to people. You realize today we're in the people business? Like that's what we do? We're not in the music business. Music's great. We're not in the music business. I'm not in the preaching business. Preaching's great. Thank you. Thanks, Ken. Thanks, Ken. Ken, we're going out for lunch today. I'm taking you out for lunch. The rest of you jokers should pay for your own. I'm not in the preaching business. We're in the people business. Believe it or not, we're not in the coffee and donut business. I know it. I know it, baby. I know it. I know it. We're in the people business. We're here for people. We're here to love the Lord with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And to love our neighbors as ourselves. And to do everything possible to bring those two things together. That's why we're here. But as long as we see people differently than the way Jesus sees them, we'll never bring those two together. 
Because when we see them differently than the way Jesus sees them, what we see is race, what we see is their sin, what we see is their past, what we see is things they've said, done, or rumors that we've heard about them, or people that we associate them with. What Jesus sees is a heart and a soul that he loves, that he's powerful enough to forgive, and that he accepts. That, my friends, is how we need to, how it's vital that we see people, we view people the way that Jesus views people. There is nothing today more important. Jesus won, obviously. Number two, there's nothing today as important as the people in your life. And I encourage you to value human life. Take care of human life. Love human life. There's going to be people today, maybe some of you, that are getting ready to spend Christmas without someone that they've spent Christmas with for years. Human life is valuable. Amen. I know people today would spend a lot of money that they don't have to be able to spend this Christmas with that human life that is no longer here. Human life is valuable. See it that way. See it through the eyes of Jesus. Having an encounter with Jesus will change the way you see him, will change the way you see yourself, and will change the way you see people around you. Amen.